I'm Bob Carlson, KCRW's production director, and we're about to hear American Splendor. It's a 30-minute radio drama we produced in 1991. And at the time, it was a play being performed in Hollywood by an outfit called the Instant Theater Company. It featured Dan Castellaneta, who at that time had only been the voice of Homer Simpson for a couple of years. These stories come from some of the earliest editions of the American Splendor comic, when Harvey Picar was a young divorced guy in Cleveland. This was before he was married for a second time to his wife and collaborator Joyce Brabner, before he developed cancer and wrote the illustrated autobiography Our Cancer Year, and before he was portrayed by Paul Giamatti in the film version of American Splendor. As you might have heard, Harvey Picar passed away this last Monday, so to honor him, we pulled this recording from the archive. Uh, my name has been a matter of concern to me over the years. It's an unusual name, Harvey Picar. I mean, Harvey doesn't go well with Picar, not in a conventional sense, at least. I read in various places that Harvey is of a Celtic, Germanic, French origin, while Picar is a Slavic name. Now, strangely, I'm neither Celtic, Germanic, French, or Slavic. When I was younger, my acquaintances used to tease me because of my name. They'd say, Harvey pees in his car. Once my best friend made an admittedly witty remark, he said, what comes after the dining car? The pea car. Despite this, we remain friends. Later, some people started calling me Harvey Pecker. I don't like that. Then there were those who referred to me as Harvey the Rabbit. I thought they were being quite clever. But I was a physically strong and determined young man, and as time went on, I gained the respect of my peers in one way or another. For a while, I forgot about it. It was as if I was named John Smith. Now, I was married at an early age. My first wife would later become my first ex-wife. My first wife, she thought I had an excellent name. She convinced me that I did. It was a unique name, a name with character. So I was married in the summer of 1960 and promptly got a telephone. Now, in the next spring, the new telephone book comes out. And imagine my surprise when I turned to see my name, that in addition to me, another Harvey P. Carr was listed. Now, I'm listed as Harvey L. P. Carr. My middle initial is Lawrence. He was simply listed as Harvey P. Carr, therefore a purer listing. But I learned to accept it. Each year I'd feel less strongly as I saw the other Harvey P. Carr's name. Then in 1966, I noticed that a third Harvey P. Carr was listed in the phone book. Now this filled me with curiosity. How could there be three people with such an unusual name in the world, let alone in one city? I once got a long-distance telephone call at midnight for a Harvey P. Carr or some woman calling from Florida. I didn't know who she was. She'd mistaken me for one of the other two Harvey P. Carrs. Now, the call caused me to wonder what sort of person he was, right? Well, of course, I had no way of knowing. Except one day, a person I worked with expressed her sympathy concerning what she thought to be the death of my father. Now, I knew my father to be alive and in good health, and I asked her where she'd gotten the notion he had died. She pointed out this obituary notice in the newspaper for a man named Harvey Picar, and one of his sons was named Harvey. These were the other two Harvey Picars. Well, six months later, Harvey Picar Jr. died. And although I met neither man, I was filled with sadness. What were they like, I thought. It seemed that our lives had been linked in some indefinable way. Well, the next year, the telephone directory contained only my name. And then two years later, another Harvey Picar appears in a telephone book. What kind of people are these? Where do they come from? What do they do? What's in a name? Who's Harvey Picar? From all 
the streets of Cleveland comes American Splendor. More depressing stories from the humdrum life of Harvey Picar. Featuring Monica Horan, Richard Kuhlman, David O'Shea, Steve Sheridan, and Dan Castellaneta as Harvey Picar. Now, uh, my day gig is working as a file clerk in the Cleveland VA hospital. But uh, I've been writing underground comic book stories since 1972. I got started because I like what the underground artists of the 1960s were doing. They were dealing with stuff that hadn't been dealt with before. So I said to myself, why stop with what these guys are writing about, the counterculture of the 60s? I thought, why not do a comic about my life, the life of a file clerk in Cleveland? I mean, my life is as interesting as the next guy's life, which is also interesting. They're all interesting. So I wrote some stories using panels and uh, thought balloons, word balloons, stick figures. I don't draw good folks. And I made a little storyboard. I was pleased with him. So then I started asking around, trying to figure out how much it would cost to publish my own comic book. Now, I live real simple and cheap, you know. I, I don't have a car. I eat cheap food like maybe I'll have uh, two hot dogs and some potato chips for supper. So I found that I could save up enough bread in one year to publish a comic book. That settled it. I'll print it, and if I lose money, so what, right? So now I publish American Splendor, and I'm really glad I did. Now, uh, let me tell you one of the depressing stories from my humdrum life. Like this one I call Rip-Off Chick. It takes place in the summer of 1975. Now, at this point in my life, I am desperately lonely and horny. My buddy Freddie, who is visiting me from Brooklyn, and I are at the local neighborhood delicatessen. Hey, what's the matter? Uh, you look glum. Last time I saw it was like, what, two, three weeks ago, you said everything was fine. Yeah, well, that was then, and this is now, you know, and everything's all messed up. You know how that is. You try to get it together, and you think you do for a while, and then things fall apart. So you try again, and it takes you ten years, but you finally think you're in good shape, and then something else comes along and rips a prop from underneath your life, and by then you're old and you die. Grim, ain't it? Ooh. Yeah. What about you? I hear you've been trying to pick up women at the encounter sessions at the Unitarian Church. How you been making out? Eh, that's all over with. Uh, they threw me out. They threw you out? For what? Well, you know, okay, there's a there's a couple ways you can try to get over in those meetings. You can act real compassionate, like you're a real true friend of women. Yeah. Or you can say some outrageous stuff and throw the meeting into a turmoil. So, well, you know me. I don't shy away from controversy. I stood up and I said, a guy should never pay a woman's way on a date unless he's got an ass from her. That way, he's paying out of appreciation and not in bribery. So they threw you out for saying that, Freddie? Yeah, out the door. Yeah, well, Freddie, you got to expect that. You're a controversial dude. <laughs> so we're sitting down eating, and I spot this couple at another table. This woman, about 32, is with this local punk biker. She seems familiar to me. Her conversation's full of trendy words and phrases. I eavesdrop for a while. And then I finally figure out who she is. Freddie, hmm? you know who that is? Come on. Carla Murray. Carla Murray, man. I haven't seen her, what, 10, 12 years? I knew her back when I was living around 105th Street. Mm -hmm. She was about, uh, I don't know, 18 at the time. Huh. I didn't know her too well, but people told me she was a hooker. Whoa. She's married to that guy who was a junkie. He got busted. As a matter of fact, he ain't too long out of the joint. Yeah, she's kind of weird. She had this middle-class background. Her father was some kind of college professor. Look at her. You see that red hair? It used to be black. I wonder what she's been doing. A couple days later, I'm up at the delicatessen again, and I spot her at the table. So I sit down and reacquaint myself. 
Yeah, I wrote for Downbeat for a couple of years, but lately I've been concentrating on these avant-garde comic books because, you know, comics are words and pictures and you can do anything with words and pictures. I came on like a fool, but she seemed to dig me. She even tried to give me her telephone number, but for some crazy reason I turned it down. Nah, that's okay, baby. I'll see you around. I'll get it from you next time, all right? And damn if my phony bravado didn't impress her. You're the first man who's ever turned down my number. Now, at this point, I should have realized that any woman that would fall for the jive line I was handing out had to have something serious wrong with her. But not me. The next day, I thought it over, and I came to the conclusion, as desperate as I was, I was a fool not to get her number. Well, it wasn't listed in a telephone directory, so I called a buddy of mine to get it. Then I called her to chew the fat. Hey, how'd you get my number? She was even impressed with the ingenuity I'd shown to be able to reach her. Now, could this be the start of something wonderful? Well, we meet up at the corner. After that, I took a course in computer programming, and then I got a job at Formist. I got caught up on a few things I was wondering about, like her husband. I broke up with him a few months ago, and ever since then, I've been staying at my mother's. She had this affected way of talking. It's been kind of a drag, but I've been able to calm down, get my head together. Put on a slight English accent. I'm ready to move out now, though. I asked her about it without letting on I thought it was phony. We moved around a lot when I was a child. We lived in Pittsburgh, Albany. Pittsburgh? Albany? I guess I just picked up an Eastern accent. They don't talk like that in Pittsburgh and Albany. Later that evening, we hooked up with some kids, and I got hit to something else about her. Although I never found out whether or not she was into smack. Dope was a big thing in her life because she spent half of her time trying to score it. Wow. This is Colombian. Hey, Carla. Carla, come on, let's go. Strong stuff. <laughs> come on. What? Carla stayed over at my pad with me that night. Hey, Carla. 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 Where you going? Hmm? Carla. That's the wall. Oh, yeah. The bed's over here, all right? Uh -huh. yeah. All right. You. Get in there. Mm. <clears throat> you gonna sleep with your shoes on? Oh, I didn't think so. No, here. Thank you. All right. Mm. Let me just tuck you in here. Hey. Hey. What? structure. I didn't put a hand on her. I figured with her past, she might resent it if I tried to take liberties with her so soon. So she slept in my bed while I slept in the couch in the front room. The next day, I went up to the delicatessen again, and Carla was there with that punk biker guy. I'm not perfect, but there's a couple things I won't do. And man, this guy was trying to sound like a real badass. I won't rape a woman. Why rape a woman? Guys got something wrong with them to rape a woman. If you're gonna go to jail, then go to jail over a woman? Rob a bank is something. Is that what you think? Hey, you know, I think that's a brilliant thought. Hey, one time this strung out hophead was dogging me around trying to cop some hard cutting mess. So I tell him to cop a slave, right? Make some quick twos and fuse, do a quick Houdini down to Peckerville. So he split. He collared my jive, man. Right? Yeah. The guy was so dumb, he might not have known I was putting him on. But he just sat there and took it. Later that night, Freddy, who had been staying at my place on and off, and I were back in my padded sleep. Freddy was in the front room when I was in the bedroom asleep. I woke up in the middle of the night thinking I heard a noise at the door. Then I went back to sleep. A little while later... Hey, hey, Harvey, answer the phone. What? The phone! Aw, oh, man. Freddy, why don't you get that? Freddy? Harvey, get the phone. Ah. Uh, yeah? 
Oh, hi. I was at your place a little while ago, but I couldn't wake you up. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, uh... I'm awake now. <laughs> Check outside your door. I left you something to eat. So I go out to take a look, and there's this takeout Italian dinner in a bag outside the door. Aw, oh, man. Damn it, Freddy. Why didn't you wake me up when you heard something at the door? What? I could have gotten late tonight. Wait a minute. Aw, oh, man. How could I miss an opportunity like this? Hey, take it easy. Relax. Harvey, what's the matter with you? I didn't hear a thing. Don't worry, though, Harvey. You know, you're going to get the pussy sooner or later. Sure enough, he was right. The next day, she called me up on a telephone. She told me she was scared because she wanted to break up with this biker. He's threatening me physically. Eh, don't worry about that guy. He's all mouth. Come on, he won't bother you, all right? All right. Thanks, Harvey. Harvey? What? Want to come over for dinner? Sure. Her mother was out of town. So I was checking the place out, and I ran across this banjo, right? Hey, Carla, you play this? Um, well, I'm not too good at it yet, but I'm going to take some lessons. Take lessons, I'd like to see her take lessons. She uses this thing as a prop. Well, after eating, we went up to this bar where she put me through all kinds of changes, talking to everybody in the place but me while I bought her drinks. Is this a long night, Nancy? Oh, yeah. uh, I'm sorry, is that your drink? It's my drink. I'm very sorry. Did you say something? Come on, Carla, let's go. <laughs> Carla. Uh, Carla, let's go. What's the matter? I can sense you're upset. Oh, you can sense it, huh? Yeah, I have the ability to sense what other people are feeling. I can pick it up even when I don't want to. Sometimes it drives me nuts. What do you mean, like ESP? Uh-huh. Oh, brother. Uh, well, now that you mention it, I wish you'd have spent a little more time with me back there. I mean, I don't want to sound like a male chauvinist or anything, but I was the guy buying your drinks. Relax. A lot, Pierre. Don't because I talk to other men. Open yourself up. Relax. You're so controlling. The next day, I talked to a guy at work about what had happened that night. His younger sister was tight with Carla once. Yeah, she didn't spend five minutes with me all night, and then she gives me this ESP Uh-huh. Well, you've got to explain that to her. There's no point in your going out together if you don't spend any time with each other. Ah, uh, yeah, right. By the way, how old is she? She says she's 28, but I know she's older than that, ain't she? Well, let me put it to you this way, Harvey. She was a year ahead of my sister in school, and my sister's 31. <laughs> Now, Dick, I don't want you thinking I'm making myself to be an angel in all this. I didn't like Carla all that much. We didn't have that much in common. I knew she was a rip-off. All I wanted from her was sex. Anything above that was a plus. I know, I know, I'm a despicable person, but that's what desperation and loneliness will turn you into. You got that? Good, let's move on. A couple of nights later, We saw a movie and finally got it on afterward. Man, it felt so good. That night I was crazy about Carla. You know how that is. Well, I've been planning to go to Chicago for a couple of days over the Labor Day weekend, and I asked Carla if she'd like to go. Oh, what? I... She seemed like she was interested, so I called a buddy of mine in Chicago to tell him about it. Then I put Carla on the phone to talk to him. Hello. What do you think? Hey, man, where'd she pick up that bogus accent? Shh. Well, she didn't come to Chicago with me, as it turned out, but uh, every day I was there, I would talk to her on the phone. My buddy thought I was nuts. Hey, Ivy, come on, the Cubs are on. Yeah, yeah, just a second. Huh? Yeah. No, that's fine. No, that'll work out just great. Hey, hey, listen. 
Carla's gonna move out of her mother's place, and she's gonna move in with me until she can find a place of her own. What's the matter with you, man? That chick f***s you and you fall in love with her? Shh! Hey, you wanna be quiet? I'm talking to her on the phone right now, hey, all right? I said she was a hooker. Oh, man, you be quiet? Hey, yeah. don't get emotionally involved! I'll call you back, all right? What's the matter with you, man? I'm talking to her on the phone. You don't call her a hooker while I'm talking to her on the phone. Jeez. And look, man, don't worry about me, all right? I'm not looking for anything but a piece of ass from her, all right? <sighs> but look, she's a computer programmer now. Maybe she'll be okay. Who, the lady with the ESP? With a bogus accent? When I got back from Chicago, things were okay for about a week. I got in a lot of screw, and we saw a couple of movies. It was okay. But then things turned sour. First, she stopped coming home after work. Now, I don't know where she went, but usually I'd find her up at the corner about 10 or 11 o'clock, often trying to score some dope. What are you telling me? Come here, come here, come here. Listen, I know, I know, mommy, but I don't have it right now. You don't have it? No, I don't. What do you expect me to do? Excuse me. Take care of it later. Who's the monkey? Excuse me. I heard you. Later. Hey, look, I know I don't own you or anything, but how about spending a little time with me once in a while for crying out loud? Huh? I'm paying the bills, ain't I? What do you mean by spending time with you? Do you mean going to bed with you? What do you think I am, a sex object? Sex object. You really are male chauvinist. Sex object, male chauvinist, man. You got all the cliches down, don't you? You like to call yourself a feminist while you're wringing every nickel out of every guy you run across. And what's your definition of male chauvinism? Anything a guy does that you don't like? You're so controlling. Well, Carla was right about me viewing her as a sex object. Other than that, I thought she was a pretty worthless person. Yeah, I know. Dig me casting stones. All right. Well, finally, Carla moves out of my place and into a place of her own because I help her move, and then I give her money for the first month's rent. And then she throws this housewarming party. And, man, all these f***ed up people were there. All these messed up kids that Carla hung out with. This is a computer programmer who did half of Carla's work at Foremost. Not long after he left, she got fired. And you didn't get nothing from it, did you? Uh, no. Well, you're a bigger schmuck than I am. At that time, she still had the keys to my pad, so she'd fall by whenever she felt like it and borrow my records. Hey, man, I don't like to lend my sides out to anybody under any circumstances, especially not these. <laughs> oh, man, what am I doing here? Well, I split. But thinking about Carla got me really mad, so I went back to get my keys. What happened to her after that? Well, she kept on going the way she'd been going for a while and then packed up her banjo and took off for Europe. She met some 21-year-old Moroccan kid there, brought him back to Cleveland and married him. After a few months, they split town. I don't know what happened to her after that. The whole thing was sordid and disgusting. I got involved with Carla because I was going crazy from loneliness. So I traded one kind of bed for another, knowing pretty much what I was doing, but doing it anyway. If I had to do the same thing over, under the same circumstances, I probably would. Ah, nothing happening tonight. Maybe I'll make it up to the corner. Hey, Freddy, what's to it, man? Hey, nothing much. How are you? Hey, you. Hey, I just got fired today. What do you think about that? You got fired? Why? Well, they said I was irresponsible. 
I told him that was the most outrageous, inconceivable injustice ever perpetrated. Oh, yeah, you told him that, huh? Yeah. Yeah, well, they might have had a point, Freddy. What? Come on, man. You get a job working a switchboard at the college. Half <laughs> the time I call you, you didn't even answer the phone, man. <laughs> Can what you dig it? An operator doesn't answer the phone. <laughs> yeah. They were mad because I used to call my brother in Brooklyn, and I played chess with him on the phone for an hour and a oh, half. Oh, <laughs> Freddy, man. <laughs> what, what are you going to do? I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> Oh, what do you want to do now? Mm. Oh, I don't know. Let's just, uh, mm. Let's just hang out for a while. All right. Yeah, fuck it, you know? Fuck what? Fuck the job, you know? It wasn't my style, you know? Switchboard didn't suit me, you know? Hey, aren't you supposed to graduate out of college this winter? Uh-huh. Well, what are you going to do then? Well, you know, like... Bob, you have what to do go you to work, right? Oh, yeah. But you don't know how to do anything. You're lazy. I predict grim times for you, man. Hey, man. Like, You're going to sleep in a gutter more than once, Freddy. Hey, look. Hey, Harvey. Hey. What? I got two twenty a month coming to me from the GI Bill. Yeah. That's going to get me through till I get out of school. Two twenty a month, huh? How much is that a week? Hey, look. It's two twenty a month, okay? Ah, uh, yeah, right. Hey, Sid. Hey, hey, Sid. What's up, man? Hey, hey, Harvey. Harvey. Not a hell of a lot. Jeez, it's a really a mess they got over there in Cyprus. Yeah. Turks really rolled over the Greeks. But in a way, the Greeks don't have anyone to blame but themselves. If they'd left Makarios alone, everything would have been okay. Yeah, it's too bad. Archbishop Makarios is relatively moderate. Oh, yeah, well, you know, he was a holy man, you know. Mm. But those right-wing nuts, they threw him out. They didn't know when they had it good. Now the Turks have a third of Cyprus, including this major port, Famagustas, some of the best farmland and a lot of the industrial areas. Hey, Freddy. Why don't you go over there and fight in that war? You could be a highly paid mercenary with your experience in Vietnam. Yeah, well, I, well, I don't know. It's, yeah, something to think about, yeah. Think about it. Yeah, right? I can really see you over there, Freddy. You're probably the biggest f*** in American military history. Oh, come on. He said, hey, lay off, you know. <laughs> in <laughs> history in general, general man. God. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. History. Hey, Sid, how's your new pad shaping up? Oh, pretty good. Hey, that reminds me. Will, will you guys give me a hand moving a rug? I still haven't gotten over this detached retina thing. The doctor doesn't want me walking around, let alone carrying a rug. Yeah, sure, it's okay are. by me. Yeah, yeah. Where, where's the stuff at? Oh, you're just over on Walter's front porch. Come on, come on, I'll drive us over there. I saw him at Irv's the other night, and he, he said he was getting rid of this rug, and I asked if I could have it, and he, he says, sure. Hey, what are you doing? Why what? are you moving his rearview mirror? I was trying to comb my hair. Don't mess with his mirror, man. What, what do you want to I get us killed? See. There, okay, there. Why are you messing with his mirror, what? man? What? No, I just want to look good, that's all. Nobody's going to see you unless they come straight at us. Oh, man. Right. Look, look, so you think I'm going to have some difficulty? Or no what? doubt about it. No, listen, man, you know, I got potential, you know? I got possibilities. I admit it's going to take me some time to get it all together, but that's what I got. I got time. Yeah, Freddy. Yeah. Hey, look at my Uncle Seymour. He lived on beans for years, and now he's doing great. Yeah, he works for your Aunt Ruth. He <laughs> has a job, you know. Okay, here's the stuff. Where? This? Yeah. Is this a rug? This is oh, what you wanted. Oh, Sid. What? what? Come here. What? This rug stinks. Did you smell it? Oh, man, it must have got rained on yesterday. It's like a sponge. Look at that. Yeah, look at it. It's huge. What do you want something this big for? You don't live in a mansion. Look, 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 look. Walter says this is a really good rug. There must be uh, 50 pounds of water look, I'll just in air there. it out on my back porch. No. Oh, come on. Bring it up to my place. I'll, 
I'll give you both a, a piece of homemade strudel. Hmm? Well, Sue was a nice guy, and we weren't doing anything else that night. So we picked up the rug, put it on the roof of the car, and tied it down with some rope from the trunk. So how you doing with those girls, Harvey? Yeah, terrible as usual. <laughs> don't ask. Yeah, yeah, ha, 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 very funny. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do, man. Mm. I'm too nice to women, and they take me for granted. Maybe they'd appreciate me more if I was mean to them. Mm. Wait, but look at you, Harvey. What, what kind of a great job you got? Hey, I got a good gig, man. It's steady and I can f*** off a lot. I recommend every young man to look into the possibility of getting himself a flunky government job. Hey, Sid's got the best job. He, he hasn't worked in years. Hey, Sid's not supposed to work. He's a scholar. He's a writer. He's a keen observer of life in our times, right? Yeah. I mean, what more can you ask him? Nothing, no. no. Sounds okay. great. Okay. Hey, this is where I live. Hey, Sid, are you sure your place is even big enough to hold a rug this size? Come on. Hey, look at it. It's green, man. It's ugly. It's going to make your place look gloomy. Okay, okay, look. Maybe I made a mistake, but how about bringing it up, huh? As long as you guys got it here, all right? Well, we gotten it this far, so we figured we'd do whatever it took to make him happy and to get to the strudel at the end of the rainbow. Just leave it out there on the porch. Ugh. I'll go ahead and get some strudel. God, Sid, this thing is shot. This is a joke. It smells. What are you going to do with it? Let me figure out what I want to do. Maybe maybe I can cut it into smaller pieces. You know, what, like six million coasters? Here. I have some of this strudel my Ooh. mother left me. Hey, it looks good. Thanks a lot. Hey, what's this, apple? Yellow's mm. apple, red's cherry. Hey, my compliments to your mother, Sid. Oh, tastes good. Yeah, use a napkin. All right, okay. Hey. Hey, look at that moon. It's a big moon. Yeah, it's a nice night. Yeah. Yeah. Was there a full moon? Mm. Well, it's almost a full moon. It's not quite. They have a name for that kind of moon, don't they? It's called almost a full moon. It's not quite. Well, it's the shadows, like a fingernail is, is missing. It's just a little... Boy, you mean like the moon's got a hangnail or something? Yeah, it's like... <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's, that's what's missing. And tomorrow night it'll be... It'll yeah, go it'll back in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember once, years ago, I, I was hitchhiking along the Gulf of Mexico around Galveston. It was a beautiful night. Who was out just like tonight? And even though it was February, it, it was warm. The beach was clean, the moon was shining, everything looked silvery. Well, this guy stops and he picks me up. I, I was kind of drunk, you know, so I passed out in the back seat. Well, after a while, the guy stops, and he wakes me up, and he's real excited. Seems he saw this big sea creature laying on the beach and washed ashore, and he, he, he wanted to pick it up. Oh, was it alive? No. Was it a shark or something? I think it was a sea mammal, like a, a porpoise or a small whale. So anyway, we ran down to the edge of the beach, and we hauled the thing up to the side of the road, we lifted it up, we put it on top of the car, and we tied it on with some rope he had in the trunk, and then we drove on. We were real excited, too. We'd really found something valuable. I fell right back to sleep. But about an hour later, the guy stops and he wakes me up again. The thing on the roof, it was stinking. Man, it was reeking. We couldn't breathe. So we had to get out of the car, untie it, and dump the thing by the side of the road. 
And we got back in and we drove away. We wondered why in hell we'd been so excited by it in the first place. I was drunk. The whole thing seemed like a fantasy to me. It's funny. We really thought we had something, but we didn't. Kind of like this old rug. Uh, I think I am going to ditch this thing. Aw, oh, shit. Man, I told you well, not to take the rug. It's, it's a white elephant. Place I told you, man. It even I smells bad. Like that thing on the beach. But boy, I still remember that night. That beautiful white beach. It seems like a dream to me. American Splendor featured the vocal talents of Monica Horan, Richard Kuhlman, David O'Shea, Steve Sheridan, and Dan Castellaneta as Harvey. It was adapted and directed by Vince Waldron from stories by Harvey P. Carr. The instant theater production of American Splendor was first presented on stage at Theater Theater in Hollywood, California, and it was produced for radio by Bob Carlson at KCRW in Santa Monica. Executive producer, Jacqueline Delorier. I'm Bob Carlson, KCRW's production director, and you've been listening to our 1991 production of American Splendor. And there is somewhat of an epilogue to this story. After I produced this program for KCRW, I became quite a fan of the American Splendor comic books. And in the winter of 1996, I happened to be in Cleveland for Christmas, and I read in the Cleveland Plain Dealer that Harvey Picar would be signing comic books at a bookstore on Coventry Road, I'd never met him, so I went down there. There weren't very many other customers there, and I went and introduced myself. He had a vague memory of something having to do with the radio drama. But I said, mainly, I, I'm looking for these, these editions of the comic book that I haven't been able to find anywhere. And he says, well, I got those back at my house, so if you'd give me a ride home, I'll sell them to you there. So Harvey gets into my rental car. I drive him to his home in Cleveland Heights, and there we walk into Harvey Picar's house. It's as though I was walking into this comic book. I never actually met Harvey's wife, Joyce, though at one point I did hear a voice from upstairs yell, Harvey, I said no visitors! Harvey assured me it was okay. We sat there for a couple of hours watching the football game. I gave kind of a half-hearted pitch to convince Harvey to continue American Splendor as a series on KCRW, but he respectfully declined. He was still working on getting a movie deal that he eventually would get in 2003. I'm Bob Carlson. Thanks for listening.